Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our life. The title of this message is Communion or Cannibalism. I love the title of this message because it is so rich in describing a moment or time that Jesus was having. I hope this message brings it home for you, and yes, it may contain my own brand of humor just for kicks. This is a three-part series in which this is part two. In John 6, we see the appetite of the Jews, which was to see more magic. In John 6.30, it states, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Acts 8, 9-24 But then there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who... When they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by inequity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. They saw Jesus as a performer, and not as one that they should follow, even though in some cases, such as Simon, they believed and were baptized. Strangely enough, the opposite is true today, whereby we congregate in large crowds to watch all that Hollywood produces. And if we actually see a good movie, we are thoroughly impressed that if the person acknowledges us, we must be somebody. Yet they offer nothing in return for your commitment or dedication to furthering their careers at theaters or Redbox. Netflix or Amazon. Now we cannot blame the crowd for wanting to hang around to see what Jesus would do next. Even today we have epitomized a crowd which is reflective of what we watch on TV. Drama, drama, drama. Reality TV. Instead of compassion and empathy towards those who are having a rough go of it, we watch to see what will become of them. Back in the day they saw many who were demon-possessed, broke, diseased, terminally ill, leprosy, dysfunctional families. Yet it seems like 2,000 years has not changed a whole lot in the affairs of men, except now we don't have to follow Jesus around to catch the show. All we have to do is turn on TV or go to social media. I must say that they at least had the miracles, signs, and wonders. They never really knew what to expect when Jesus showed up, other than that the crowd eventually disagreed with his methods. As they were in contradiction to the religion of the day, 
or that he wanted them to be a part of a lifestyle they were not yet willing to give up. He, in essence, was changing the channel and turning off their version of the TV. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. According to them, he had crossed the line, became too gross in his illustrations, and dispelled the crowd in one fell swoop. I imagine what some may have stated or thought. He is no longer entertaining. You see, they weren't ready for today's version of quality programming yet. From zombies to vampires, they just didn't appreciate good cinematography. Back to Jesus. What is interesting is that Jesus was defining what communion meant. When he stated, take, eat, this is my body, although strange, he stated it in such a way that the immature crowd accepted the statement as palatable. But because I believe he was hurt, upset with the attacking Jews, and probably a bit frustrated with humanity, he defined what communion really meant. He wanted and wants us to follow him unconditionally, do the work he is doing, grow and mature as his disciples, and to become, in essence, like him. In a stretch, I would say that he was actually telling us, or them, the type of bride he was expecting to return to. And no doubt what he was looking at, at that moment, wasn't very attractive in both character and behavior. Contemplative and introspective when he taught. Not reactionary and defensive. Humility is a garment of only one of those two types. The other is still too wild and independent looking for the weekend circus. So let's go to John again. John 6, 51 through 56. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Does not Jesus answer the question about what he is saying when he refers to eating his flesh? Verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Okay, so let's say for a minute that Jesus was, in fact, getting a little vampire-ish, or dawn of the dead on us. If you heard him saying that, all you have to do to live forever is to take a bite of me, then you wouldn't at least think about it? Okay, remember Jesus made me funny, and it's a gift that I am well using. John six fifty-seven through 66 As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Feeds on me is a language of students, one who actually gets that Jesus is not literally asking us to eat and drink of him. But again, to go back to this little scene, cannibalism when referred to in the Bible was usually because the community was under the judgment of God. Not that God told anyone to eat another human. It was just in response to his judgment. BTW, not something we should do if, in his judgment, repentance and humility taste better and don't require a supper table. Leviticus 26, 27 through 29. Back to John 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, 
He said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man descend where he was before? Is the Spirit who gives life to flesh profits nothing? The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. John 6, 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? In finishing, although I could go on with this moment in time, I refer back to when I stated that I felt Jesus was hurt by the crowd, that even though they were in it for the show, they at least were following him. We see him asking his closest followers, Do you also want to go away? Oh, the rejection Jesus must have felt on that day. And although we know he did not want to grow a mega church, but a church, a bride, that was willing to follow him regardless at all costs, he must have still been hurt by the reaction and response of both crowds, the Jews and his dearly belated followers. Well, that's it for today. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still and destroy the work of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Find a seat and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.